recap of what Pastor Betty said last week a bit. She spoke about our glorious hope in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now, Paul, as we come to the end of our series on the model church in a hostile world, as we deal with 1 Thessalonians and we move into chapter 5's closing, Paul finalizes his letter with a set of instructions, instructions on how we are to live in between times, in these in-between times. Even though there's a transition in the letter away from the particulars of the Lord's return to how one lives in the community of saints, the theme of the Lord's return is never far from the mind of the Apostle Paul. In chapter 3, verse 13, we read these words, And may he so strengthen your hearts in holiness that you may be blameless before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he was concerned not with the how, uh, the when of his return, the times, the date. He was concerned with the how. And I think Gerald's going to come right now and read our scripture for today. So keep that in mind, that even though Paul is given another set of instructions, he followed that verse 13 from chapter 3 with a set of instructions. Then he brought to the awareness of the Thessalonians the how of Jesus' return, not the when. And now he closes with some more instructions. And all the instructions have, as their slices of bread, the sandwich effect, Two prayers for your holiness. Here comes Jared with the word of the Lord. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for with wrong. Sure that nobody, I'm sorry. Uh, but no, and, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything, hold on to the good, avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord and have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jared. So holy instructions for holy living. I have a little comic strip from Charles Schmutz, or Charles Penis comic strips there. I think we've heard it before. I love mankind, it's people I can't stand. Or something attributed to Albert Einstein. I love people, I love people, I love humanity, it's people I can't stand. Same thing. And many Christians have their variation on that sentiment, which appears, uh, which goes through the lines of, I get along great with Jesus, but the church? <laughs> Jesus was a human being too, you know that. You know that. 
But the church, that's another story. I think you know what I mean. We've heard this said, this little Irish little jingle here. To dwell above with saints we love, that will be glory. But to dwell below with the saints we know, well, that's another story. That's another story. What a cop-out on what God wants to do with his people when we have that type of attitude in our lives. God's community is to be one of, of a reflection of who God is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we sang, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, Lord God Almighty. You know, when many of us were young and going to school, there used to be chores to do after school before our parents would get home from work. Both my parents worked. So our job was to get the sauce going so that when they come home and boil the water, they can just drop the pasta in it. Not too difficult. But if we fail to implement these chores and stayed outside playing a little bit longer, there were consequences. Now, you can use your imagination what type of consequence those were for a first-generation immigrant Italian family. No hands will be held back. That's as far I'm going to go. But Jesus, even in the parables that Jesus thought, there's just consequences. The parable of the talent, the one who refused to invest, to use what he received for growth, there was a consequence to that. It was taken away from him. The two sons, remember those? One that said, yes, I'll do it. And the other one who said, no, I'm not doing it. And the one who said, no, showed up. And the one who said, yes, didn't. There's consequences to the answers we give to God. And when Jesus returns, he wants to find us doing the things that God has instructed us to do. And that's why Paul's saying this set of instructions to the church of Thessalonica, that they are to do what he is pointing out to them because it's the will of God. You heard it, Red. It's the will of God. And, uh, and it all has to do with us living in peace. The first thing he brings to our attention is respect your leaders because it's a led community. God appointed leaders. God appointed Abraham. God appointed Moses. God appointed David. God appointed Jesus. God called the Apostle Paul. He's called by God. God's the one who established leadership in the church, has he not? See, those who serve the church family faithfully providing leadership are to be esteemed and loved for their work. They are not to be constantly criticized, picked over until all their dignity is stripped. In our society today, we have turned, pillaring leaders our leaders in our society, into a national sport. We make fun of that. And we as a church, we grab that spirit and we implant it in the body of Christ where it should not be. Many scholars have debated if there was a formal or informal leadership in the early church, in the ancient church. But that misses the point. Whether we're formal or informal, whether we belong to a denomination or a non-denomination, whether we meet in a building to call the church, that we call the church, even though we know the people make up the church, or whether we meet in a house or in a restaurant or in a park or wherever we meet, there's always somebody in charge. There's always a leader present. So Paul says, you honor that person. You respect that person. You don't have to like that person, but you need to show respect to that person. And it's not so much because of the title they hold, but they're a reflection of God themselves as you are. Jesus said when he commissioned those 70 to go out, he said, whoever welcomes you,
settle your shoes, and move on to the next place. The Apostle Paul said this to the Galatians, those who labor for the Lord shall be treated as if they were the Lord himself. Hello? Respect, honor your leaders. We all have someone to respect that is above us. That's the way life is, including us. Paul didn't say, wait till October and it's Pastor Appreciation Month and then give them some respect. And then in November and Christmas, forget about it. No, that's not what he said. At least not what I read. One commentator that I was reading noted an experience he had as a young pastor. And he was studying for ministry. And a, a church work day came up. Used to have them quite a bit in the church in the fall, in the spring. Everybody came and you, you got all the cobwebs taken care of. You clean out the church. You clean up the lawn. You make it look presentable so the people on the outside looking at us can see that we take care and we value what we treasure here as a building and grounds that God has given to us. And an old saint came up to him, one of those saints that we know here below. He said, it's about time I get you to, to see you sweat a bit. <laughs> for the money that we pay you. It's about time that you can take this broom or take this shovel and I can see you sweat for the tithe that we pay towards the church. How sad that this has become an attitude in the church of God. Oh boy, silence all of a sudden. Silence all of a sudden. That's not what the kingdom of God is all about. Paul says, let us honor and respect those who give up their time, give up their wealth, give up their lives to serve God and his community. Because not only will up above be glory, but if we get it right, this should be glory as well. Should it not? I'll say amen myself. This should be glory as well. See, the leader is to care, is to instruct and to admonish the saints below and the things of the Lord. Leaders are not there just to care and instruct. We understand that to teach you, to instruct you for spiritual formation and growth and maturity in Christ. We understand that well, but we don't like the word admonish. <laughs> we don't like that word. Who does he or she think they are talking to me like that? Boy, I'm really stepping on toes this morning. Paul brought it up. Don't bend me. Paul brought it up. Who are they? We usually don't respond well to correction. We don't respond well to rebuke. We'd rather just go down to church on the other side of town somewhere and make our implant our feet there. Not to say that it happened. Just bring that up as an illustration. But admonish is not scolding, my friends. Admonishment is correction. Anyone that's coached a sports team knows what I'm talking about. Admonishment is to get them to correct their bad habits, that they turn them into good habits so that they can form better for the whole team. Hello? I remember this illustration that Alex Deasley gave a long time ago about an art teacher that was looking over a student that was trying to draw a picture and the student couldn't get it. He was just as good as art as I am. My wife is the artist, I'm not. And the art teacher had felt some empathy, not just compassion, but empathy felt for that child. And what the art teacher did was grab that child's hand and pencil and began to form the picture that he should have been drawing. And that had such an impact on that guy that he became a good artist. That's what admonishment is. Come alongside you. The correction is for your good. It's for your good. So, 
Church, don't be despised if leaders identify our weaknesses and errors. It's for your good. Also, leaders, don't be, don't be surprised if your teaching and monitorment is necessary, is getting resistance, if people are resisting you, because did they not resist Jesus? Have they not resisted God since God created us? Did they not resist the prophets? Did they not resist the apostle Paul? So expect resistance. Expect resistance. But Paul says, at the end of the day, we're going to live in peace, my friends. This shalom is a reality, so we get to God, to his church. It's not for the sweet by and by. It's not for saints above in glory. It's for right now. And the two things that we must avoid in ministry is ministry controlled by leadership that says, I told you what to do, and you must do it, which is not our ministry. Whatever decision the board makes, that's the decision we stay in. We restrain from voting. But on the other hand, there's another problem. We're sheep. Decide to dispense with the shepherd anytime they don't agree with what the shepherd is trying to form them into the image of Christ. I heard a lot of stories here about great preachers that you identify today, but I also know that in that time, some of them were let go. The church voted them out. So how could you praise them after they left, but you didn't support them while they were here? We need to avoid those. So, respect your leaders. We're a led community. Respect each other because we're a caring community. Yeah. It's on me. What? Yeah. Anyway, I got to cut that out when I get home. More work for me to do. Respect each other because it's a caring community. The leaders of the church are not to be the sole parties responsible for the health and growth of the church. Well, just listen. I need your ears more than I need you to see something. <laughs> anyway, so the, everyone is, has a responsibility in the body of Christ. Amen? Everyone is supposed to be contributing to the health and the growth of the local body. It's the responsibility of the entire church body. Every single one of us, from the youngest to the eldest, has a role to play in building each other up in the faith. But Paul, in our letter today, singles out. Oh, now that's gone too. He singles out three groups. The idle, the disheartened, and the weak. And patience is to be shown to all of them, even towards those who deserve far worse. Paul brings up Jesus' teaching here of non-retaliation. The church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, the local church here at Almsdale Church of the Nazarene on the corner of Dock Road and West, Western Road is not a place where we try to get even. It's not a place where we return the slap that we receive, not a physical slap. I'm talking about just a verbal spiritual slap, okay? It's not a place where we are to get even, we're not to intrude in other people's business as well. Back in chapter 4, Apostle Paul said these words, which we never dealt with, but they apply here, mind your own business. Hello? Hello? How do you like sitting underneath the Apostle Paul? If you would come in here and begin to speak these words to us, mind your own business. I mean, that says enough by itself. See, the Christian response to the idle and disruptive behavior in the community is to try to bring good out of evil, to not to give back evil for evil, to try to bring peace among the brethren. 
love among the brethren. Paul's been praying for an increase in love in the hearts of these Thessalonians from the beginning. You know what's amazing about this passage? He never identifies what the problem is. You don't need a problem to receive instructions. You need instructions so that you can avoid the problem when it comes. Hello? We're not here to do catch-up. This is preventative maintenance that the apostle Paul is trying to get us to understand. He talks about hard work being a virtue. You know that hard work was given as a gift to humanity from God from the beginning of creation? You know, when they fell, we began to sweat. But before that, work was a breeze. And maybe it will be in the future. I don't know. Hard work is what God calls all of us because we are to care for each other. And caring is hard work. Hard work when you don't feel like it and you still need to do it because God's called you to do it. You do it. Something happened in this community that maybe there's a hint at that of, of idleness and like that. And William Barclay, he paraphrased this, warned the quitters. Those that, have, that were active in the faith, they were doing things for the Lord, and all of a sudden their activity began to turn into a snail's speed, pace. You know, very slow gliding across the surface. The destructive created created the vision instead of peace. That's easy to understand. Idle and dis disruptive. They're not doing anything, but they're getting out of line and bringing about chaos instead of harmony in the body of Christ. That's what he's saying here. And in relationship to hard work, how could we that have received eternal life complain about more work instead of that we should be able to do more work, not less work, for working in the life below. God has given you life, has he not? The whole message of Jesus is not, this was your list of sins, and this is what you shouldn't do, and this is what you should do. The whole thing about Jesus dying on the cross is that you were dead in trespasses, but now because of Jesus, you have been given life. Not to become lazy, not to become disrupted, but to add life to the community, to build us up in the faith. Hello? Hello. Some of them maybe had their faith shaken, so they need some people to care for them, to encourage them, to move on. So we are to respect our leaders. We're a led community. We are to respect each other because we are a caring community. And number three, we need to respect God. And how do you respect God? Through worship. Through worship. Responsibilities that shape our worship. You know, Paul talked about Prayer, rejoicing, giving thanks. And they come to us in staccato fashion. It's rapid fire. Rejoice always. Pray always without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Bam, 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 bam. Apostle Paul is, is running it to us and through us. And then he adds that thing, this is the will of God. Where do we hear this is the will of God before? Or our holiness is the will of God. That's what God wants us to become. But he also wants us to be people who are joyful, people that are praying, and people who give thanks. Whatever happened to thank you, thank you. In other words, he's saying keep the focus on God. Don't only respect your leaders. Don't only respect each other, but respect God above all. You know, many things have been said about COVID-19 that we can't pray in the church we can't pray in a building, but you can pray with the church wherever you are, right? When we take up each other's burdens and we bring them before the cross of Jesus Christ and we speak to the God that is everywhere and the God who is everyone's God, whether they worship him or not, because he is sovereign Lord. We ought to pray 
To pray continually means that every activity must be carried on with the sense of God's presence. You sense God's presence here? You sense him beside you, around you? Christ be all around me. It's more than a pretty song we sing. It's a reality for the children of the God who are saints here below. We're not supposed to be in the prayer closet 24-7. Even the Apostle Paul got out of the prayer closet. So did Jesus. Hello? Hello? We are to do it together. The early churches have fixed hours of prayer. I grew up in a church where the building and the door, the doors to the building were always open. You can go in and pray and kneel, light a candle, whatever was your tradition, and lift it up to the Lord. And there's other traditions that they have these fixed hours of prayer throughout the day, and they stop at that time and they pray. And other world faiths that have the same thing, this is not something that we just cast aside as tradition and legalism. It's about communing with the holy God that we serve and keeping in touch with him. We are to be saints of joy. Isn't that a good definition of how we should look right to the world? Now, I'm not saying to put on that happy, phony face. I'm not saying about that. It's not so much even to do with our experience. It's got to do with our expression. I think the Apostle Paul made it clear in Philippians uh, when he said, rejoice in the Lord always, he, he uh, qualified that. He said, in the Lord. doesn't matter what I'm going through. I can still be joyful in the Lord. When Nehemiah was ridiculed by the people that tried to stop him from building the wall of Jerusalem and rebuilding it for the glory of God, people made fun of him, people criticized him, people slandered him, but he said, the joy of the Lord is my song. He wasn't going through pretty phases in life. It was actually an ugly scene. That he should have quit, but he didn't because the joy of the Lord was his strength. Then Paul commands his readers to give thanks in the midst of all circumstances, not for all circumstances. You follow me? There's a world of difference between the two views. The latter denies evil and suffering. The former believes that in every circumstance one can give thanks for the hope in Christ Jesus. The pastor Betty talked about the glorious hope. Jesus is returning so I can give thanks in all circumstances. This is week 24 for us since this COVID-19 started. So in the last 24 weeks, we had to put together services, whether in person for the last couple of months or on TV or on YouTube or Facebook or wherever we ended up. 24 weeks of doing midweek study, 24 weeks of doing Saturday evening prayer, 24 weeks of putting something together for, for YouTube, 24, 19 weeks rather, it changes for the East Link that we have to somehow squeeze everything into 30 minutes. Kids Connection was on at the beginning. The walls and, and, and the family and extended family did that. And then they do youth. And then there's also a youth Sunday school class. Pastor Sheila's been talking with people in the meantime. Things have been going on. How about the administration and people working in the office? We haven't fallen asleep or forgotten the work of the Lord. We've been busy doing the work. And it deserves a thank you to everyone involved. Paula, too, for taking care of the protocol. Hello. Hello. It's easy to sit back and nothing's going on. That's far from the truth, far from the truth. And the feedback that we get from people outside of the community is more appreciated at times than inside the community. Let's just be honest. What happened to thank you? What happened to thank you? And then Paul goes down and talks about the prophet's word. 
Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Do not throw cold water on those who are under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Prophecy was important for the early church. So the early prophets had the task of getting that Hebrew text and saying, where's Jesus here? And as they found Jesus in that Old Testament text, which really we should call the Hebrew Bible, because without it, we don't understand what Jesus is all about. As they looked at that text, they said, this is Jesus. You know, they looked back to Abraham. That's what Paul usually does. He looked back to Abraham, and God appointed Abraham as a leader. He had a rough time as a leader as well. Then he said, well, Abraham, he messed up a few places, but God didn't give up on him. God moved the story along, and then we come to David, and David wasn't always up to par, but God didn't stop the moving of the story because of David falling. He kept moving that story along. And then even Jesus and the apostles and down to us, it doesn't matter how many times we fail because God will always move the story along. Hello? What type of story have you fallen into? What story are you a part of? Back to the prophecy. Don't try to stop the prophet from speaking words that align to our tradition as people of God. It builds up the church. Prophecy builds up the church. Not the prophecy that you go run to the bookstore to buy, trying to figure out the when of Jesus coming. The prophecy that lifts up Jesus. The prophecy that says, this is the one who came to take care of humanity's problem. This is the one who had come to give you life and that to the full. The one that says, this is what your life can become because of his sacrifice and resurrection. That type of prophecy. As someone said, the Holy Spirit is in me. The Holy Spirit is in us for my sake, for our sake. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon the prophet, it's for your sake. We know the history of Israel when the prophet spoke in the name of the Lord and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Some of them were, were murdered, assassinated, split in two. Split in two. Because they were telling the people what God wanted them to hear and they refused to hear it. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. So respect your leader, a led community. Respect each other, a caring community. Respect God and worship him. Praying, being joyful, and giving thanks. And, also, and don't put out the Spirit's fire. And finally, Paul prays for holiness. We are to be a holy community. God has set upon us, making his people complete and mature, sanctify them, holy mind, body, spirit. It doesn't mean three parts of a body. The Jewish mindset was always the complete man, the wholeness of man. God sanctify me wholly. I know some churches have a problem with that. I know maybe some of you people have a problem because the question is, how holy can I become in this life? You know? So when does this holiness take place? When does God make me holy as he is holy? How does this ever happen to me in my life? And Paul says, now. Now. Paul says, right now. The question is not how holy God wants you to become, but how holy do you want to become as a gift of God? It's a gift of God. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to manipulate God for it. You don't have to beg for it. He gives it to you if you just ask him if you want to be made whole. If you want to become a worker in his kingdom and not an idle person. If you want to be a man of peace instead of a man of disruptions. 
Do you want this holiness that God is calling you to? He's calling you. Don't listen to me and say, it's Pastor Mike preaching the holiness message because we're in the church of that. No, this is God's word for you. How holy do you want to become? How full of the spirit of the living God do you want to be? How far do you want to move from death to live in the realm of life that God has for you? It's up to you. It's a free world. You've got a free choice. When? Right now, this question. When is Jesus returning? I don't know. But I'm going to be ready. As one African woman was asked and ridiculed, rather, by children on her block, complaining about her going to church and loving Jesus, saying, well, she's getting herself ready. And she answered, I don't get myself ready. I keeps ready. I keeps ready. Keeps ready. See, Paul's not praying, as one of my former teachers said, for a post-mortem holiness. Sometimes we got the idea that, that we're going to become holy when Jesus returns. Your holiness is not based on the Lord's return. It says in the book, he's going to keep you blameless. It doesn't say keep you perfect. It's going to keep you blameless until he returns. At the Lord's return, you should be ready because the apostle Paul expected the return of the Lord at any time. At any time. God, he's here. How holy do you want to become? He keeps himself ready for the Lord's return. It's not that once that, that, I, that Jesus comes back, there's a spiritual car wash, and I'm going through the soap, and then I'm going through the buffing, and then I'm going through the rinse, and then I finally get a wax job at the end, and I'm holy. That's not what it's about. Right now, how holy do you want to become? Which means you've got to turn your back on some of the things of this world and turn your face towards Jesus, the author and perfecter of our life. This is how my teacher put it. The Lord's return is not the center of God's saving work in Christ for humanity. That could only be the cross and the resurrection for Paul. All salvation, initial as well as entire sanctification, is founded upon the work of the cross. That's already taken place. Hello? We are a holiness church, aren't we? You understand what I'm talking about? I love the way he closes, where I'm closing today. The Lord is faithful, and he will do it. The Lord is faithful, and he will do it. One of the commentators shared this beautiful experience, and because I, I lived with a Portuguese student, and well, we, we both lived with the, their family. When we were studying, it's very similar story, but let, let me share this story, and, and I'll close. It says, I know a young pastor and his wife who recently experienced the tragedy of losing a child. They're hanging on, but they are also wondering where God is, and if God even cares about them. Honest questions. No, that, that, that's valid. That's valid. You don't admonish people for, scold people for honest questions. You accept them, and you sit by, and you listen to them. The father and I met to talk I mostly listened. I wasn't sure what to say to him. He asked some good questions to which there are no easy answers. At one point, he wondered where to go next. He wasn't moving forward with God, but he wasn't sure how to continue. It was at that point that I asked him, are you going to give up on God? Are you going to give up? Good question. Good question. Here's his response. When depression and grief aren't speaking... I find a place where God and hope still exist. Hello? When 
Depression and grief aren't speaking. I find a place where God and hope still exist. A place that holds promise of answered questions of a loving God of eternal life. The place is difficult and at all times impossible to see. And yet deep in my soul, I know it's there. Regardless of how long or difficult the road has been, I can believe God hasn't been there. I cannot give up on God because deep down I know he hasn't given up on me. We failed God as a human race from the beginning. But you know what? Because of our failure or despite of God hasn't given up on you. He wants you to be holy now because the Lord is faithful and he will do it. So the last question, how holy do you want to become? Not how holy does God want to make you. How holy do you want to be? As the worship team comes.